so good, so glad you're here. We're in this this series uh, called Peace, and we're today we're talking about anxiety. Uh, to heal my anxious mind. Anybody here suffering from anxiety? Philippians 4, 4 tells us this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, have no anxiety, have zip. I mean, is this possible? I mean, think about it. There's so much today to be anxious about. There's, if you don't believe it, just watch the news and they'll get you just in a heartbeat. Uh, just think about it. these are some of the things that they're talking about. There's the possibility of humanity ending uh, with a humanity ending war on the horizon if Putin decides to push a few of his nuke bu buttons, which, you know, he seems crazy enough to do it, you know. Have you ever looked at the size of Russia? Russia's really big. They don't really need Ukraine, they just want it, you know. So, uh, or what if China decides to invade Taiwan, which, by the way, we're committed to defending Taiwan against China. Are you worried yet? <laughs> or what if uh, Iran invades Israel? And Israel is one of the also nuclear powers, along with Pakistan and Turkey, that are nuclear powers. The list goes on and on of, of wars and rumors of wars. I was telling Tina this morning, the, the world is, is as unsettled today as it has ever been. You would think we would have learned, my baby, World War I and World War II, that, you know, this <clears throat> killing millions and millions of each other doesn't work very well, but we haven't learned much, <clears throat> and we're still very anxious. Uh, inflation's up. I don't, I don't know if you've noticed. Uh, Gas is costing a little more. Groceries, a gallon of milk, all the goodies, anything you want to get, it's all more expensive. One, one caveat to this, wages are not up. Interest is way up. Uh, we each have bills to pay, kids to try to raise, or, if, or cart all over the place. Uh, more gas, got to get more gas. Job pressure, job stresses, job insecurity, health challenges. <laughs> if you'd say, well, there is plenty to be anxious about, you wouldn't be alone. In 2019, this is pre-pandemic, two out of three Americans said they were anxious or extremely anxious. So that's two out of three. That's pre-pandemic. And guess what? It's gotten worse since the pandemic. Uh, the numbers have gotten worse. And the younger people, our younger generations, are even faring worse. 91% of high school and college students report consistent and significant levels of anxiety associated with stress. Anxiety, we all face it. We all face it at different levels. We're all at different points on the anxiety spectrum of how we handle it. Some 
Some of it may be an occasional uneasiness or a discomfort or a stress, maybe for some big event like a test that we're going to take or some presentation that we have to give or some social situation. You know, you get that text. You get a text from somebody. You think, oh, no. I don't know how to respond to this. You know, do, do, I, do I start a text war or do I just ignore it? I mean, you know, you get, have any of that? Any of you ever, ever deal with that? Uh, you don't have any of those people in your life? Uh, <laughs> you know, others, others, stress hits us, anxiety hits us differently. It's crushing, it's debilitating, it's dread that just wells up within us. It's shortness of breath. Your, your heart rate rises. Maybe you're having problems with the, your heart racing. Uh, feel like maybe the walls are closing in. You can't function in a normal capacity. So here's the reality. Whether you're on the, it doesn't, anxiety is not a big problem, but it is a problem. Anxiety is a huge problem. It's almost debilitating. Where, here's the good news. Wherever you are on the spectrum, God cares. Wherever you are, wherever your anxiety level is, and whatever your anxiety level is about, God cares about it. So today we're going to ask God to help us and to heal us with anxiety. One of the great, great great scriptures that deal with this is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It deals with a king named Jehoshaphat. Now, Israel and Judah had divided into two kingdoms by this time, and Judah was the fourth king. Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of Judah. And he, he was often, as you read through uh, Kings and Chronicles, and you read about the kings, he'll talk about they were a good king, they were a bad king, they were a horrible king, they were the worst king ever. And, and Jehoshaphat was one of the good kings. And as a good king, he was endeavoring to faithfully follow God. He was, he was trying to follow God and do what was best for his kingdom and for Israel. And so in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we find this guy who's trying to do, live right, he's trying to do the best thing, that he comes under an attack. Now it came about after this that the sons of Moab, the Moabites, and the sons of Ammon, the Ammonites, together with some of the Midianites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. And then some of them came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram and behold, They are in Hezazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. So they're south of Judah in the mountainous region. Three groups, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Midianites, three nations uh, have teamed up to attack Judah, and it's, it's too much. It's a, it's a lot. You know, you think about one nation, it would have been a lot. These three nation, nations are ganging up on Judah. It, t- it tells us in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3, that Jehoshaphat was afraid. It seems natural, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't it seem to be natural to be anxious about some things? He is anxious about what, you know, what, what's going on. And this is how often anxiety hits us. We could handle it if it was one thing. We could handle it if it was, if it was like one difficult boss. But then you start adding in the other stuff of life, one broken car, you know. And then with the broken car comes what? Tight finances. Or, or, you, or are you going to fix it? Or can we fix it? Can we afford to fix it? What are we going to do if we don't fix it? How are we going to get to work? Or, or are we going to share one car? Are we going to, you know, how are we going to solve that problem? So that problem. Then, then the money problems and the car problems 
And the boss problem, so you're having problems with the boss at work, so you come home kind of grumpy. So you come, come home kind of grumpy, and then you got problems at home also. And you didn't leave your problems at work. There were still problems at work. Now there's problems at home. Now you got marriage problems. So it, it begins to multiply. So you begin to feel anxious, fearful. You begin to feel overwhelmed. It's never just one thing. Have you ever noticed that? It's never just one thing. It's multiple things. You know, uh, we, we often say, you know, bad things happen in threes. And it kind of seems that way, you know, that things happen. And so how do we deal with it? It's never one thing. This generation, these, the young people of this generation, uh, those that are under 30, uh, they are considered right now, and the generation coming up, uh, is the most educated generation in history. They have the least clear path of what they're going to do and then how they're going to get there. In other words, everything is, seems to be being delayed. I mean, they would like to buy a house, but man, have you noticed house prices lately? Well, now they're coming down, but interest has gone up, so it's kind of a wash. Right? So, uh, so they're... This, we have a group that's overeducated and underemployed that feels like they're falling further and further behind financially, relationally. They're putting off marriage because they don't think they can afford marriage. And so all of these things are being delayed. So if they put off marriage, they put off having a family. All of the things are delayed, and it just creates in their minds greater anxiety. Today, uh, many youth and children, children are struggling with anxiety. They talk about it. They're anxious. They have anxiety. They don't always describe it as anxiety. They don't always say, I'm anxious. They don't, have the, they don't use the same words that we do. A lot of times, youth des- describe it as pressure. They feel pressure. They feel pressure to do well in school. Because, I mean, don't we want them to do well in school? And then they feel pressured to do well in sports. And if they're in sports and they're in a sport, gosh, we want them to do well in sports, right? And then there's this pressure to fit in socially. And now they have all this, all this extra pressure that we never experienced, all this pressure through social media to be accepted and valued and appreciated and thought of, noticed, that to... They have the pressure to measure up to the expectations that others have put on them, parents, teachers, friends, family, grandparents, the expectations that we, you know, pile on them, and also the expectations and pressures that they put on themselves, which is to be smart, at least to appear smart, uh, to be perfect, to be beautiful. That's the expectation. So there's a lot of anxiety. Here's the reality with anxiety. Anxiety is a signal alerting you that it is time to pray. Anxiety is a signal alerting you that it's time to pray. So Tim and Lauren are driving the other day in their car, and they sent me a video. Uh, the only reason I know about it. Uh, they sent me a video. They're driving in their car. And all of a sudden, their car, the electronics started acting crazy. The gauges are flashing. The check engine light's coming on. The car is actually uh, 
it's, every time they'd hit a bump, the car would act crazy. Now, when that, when that little yellow engine light comes on, that's a warning. That's telling you something. It's telling you, if you don't know something's wrong, if you haven't figured it out, if you haven't been watching the other gauges, uh, the purpose of the engine light is not to cause you to have to go spend a lot of money at the mechanic. That's not the cause of the engine light. That's going to be the result. But the cause is to let you know there's a problem that you didn't know about before. And that's one of the things that anxiety, God uses anxiety, and we experience anxiety. You say, well, did God cause it? No, but there's a lot of things for us to get anxious about. We, God uses anxiety to help us to learn how to pray. He doesn't have to cause it because it's out there anyway for us to get a hold of. So Philippians says, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say Rejoice. Let your spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, he said. So Paul says to the Philippians, hey, there's a lot of things to be anxious about. I want to tell you, here's one of the first things you need to do about anxiety. You need to pray about it. You need to give it to God. It's something for you to pray. When you feel anxious, it's telling you something. It's telling you it's time to not worry about it, but instead pray about it. It's telling you to change the way you're dealing with it because worry's not changing it. Anxiety is not changing it. As you mull over it and mull over it, become more and more anxious, it, that's, only, that's what happens. You just become more and more anxious. So one of the things we want to do, we want to pray about it. So Jehoshaphat was afraid, and so he did exactly what he should have done. He turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Ju Ju Judah. I want to say Judea. Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord. So everybody's gathered together. And Jehoshaphat's leading them in prayer. And he says, O Lord. The God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? And are you not the ruler over all the kings of the nations? Power and might are in your hand so that no one can stand against you. Did you not, O oh God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abram, your friend, forever? They have lived in it and have built you a sanctuary here for your name, saying, Should evil come upon us, sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry to you in our distress, and you will hear and deliver us. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. See how they are rewarding us. By coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given to us, and an inheritance. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. So the first thing they did, and this is, I mean, this is good praying, Right? This is really good praying. You, I want to tell you something. You don't have to pray this good to pray good. 
This is a good Bible prayer that, you know, but you know a good prayer? I've prayed this prayer a lot of times. Help! God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you. Help! Doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be fancy. You don't have to say, oh God, you did this for Abraham. Oh God, you made this promise. When we came out of e- Egypt, you didn't let us defeat him, so it's kind of your fault now. Oh God, you know. So we pray. Supplication. The Philippians says, by prayer and supplication. Supplication is a cry for mercy. A cry for mercy. Dr. Caroline Leaf, she's the author of the book, Switch on Your Brain. Here's what she's discovered. It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Think, did you get that? We talked about a couple of weeks ago but how important it was if you'll, if you'll spend time in God's Word four days a week, that four days a week was the crossover into where it had a real impact in your life. You can read the Bible one day or two days or three days. It, it has minimal impact. But if you, if you read the Bible at least four days a week, that they, they were able to see actual change in people's attitudes and hearts and thinking by spending time in the Word. So just think, what would happen? What this crazy thing that happened if we did this thing to where we read the Bible and we prayed every day, think of the possibility for life change, for God to rearrange your crazy thinking and your anxious thinking and begin to align it with His Word. Wow. So not only does... Does prayer touch the heart of God, but prayer changes the chemistry of your brain. It helps you get rid of some bad thoughts, some anxious thoughts. The word most often used in the Bible for anxiety is marino. Uh, It means dwelling or pondering on fearful or anxious thoughts. Marino, pondering, dwelling on anxious thoughts, meditating on negative thoughts. So what happens when you meditate on negative thoughts, you're training your brain to be anxious. You get better at it. (laughs) Some of you are really good at being anxious. You've been working on it for a long time, right? So it's just natural to think of all the things that can go wrong and to be more and more anxious. What this is, this is a good promise. What's this telling us? is that prayer breaks the cycle of anxiety. And it's God's prescription. God says, don't worry about it, pray about it. Don't be anxious about it, pray about it. Oh, our God, will you judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. We're looking to you. We're trusting you. We we don't know what the answer is. We're outgunned, we're outnumbered, we don't know what to do, but we're trusting you. 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter said this, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And this, you know, Peter uses a fishing term, you know, he was the fisherman. This cast, we all understand about casting. You know, and our tendency is though we, you know, they didn't have rod and reels back then, but our tendency is to throw it out there and then reel it back in. 
I'm giving this to God. Well, I'm, he's not doing it a very good job. I'm giving it to God. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. So prayer is number one. If you're going to deal with anxiety, prayer is a way to cry out to God, ask for help. So if it's time to pray, the second thing is anxiety tells us it's time to pause. Second Chronicles 20, verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes on you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood before the Lord. So they prayed, and now they're waiting. Anybody here have trouble with waiting? I hate waiting. All kinds. I, I hate all kinds of waiting. I've, we had to change uh, phone service here at the church, and I had to be on the phone with AT&T customer service, which is not really customer service. That's a lie. Uh, they call it that. It's a trick. Uh, Three different times over an hour, I was not a godly man. I so lost it. I, said, I mean, I didn't cuss anybody out or anything. I really wanted to. I, but I was just, just, just over and over, just the, just the unwillingness to deal with the problem or solve the problem or to help in any way and to be put on hold uh, you know, we're waiting for this confirmation number. Okay, you've canceled it. Now we've got to get a confirmation number. And every time it took over 30 minutes for some number to be generated on the computer that they could tell me, which then for some reason didn't work and I had to do it again. Oh, man, I hate waiting. But there's times that God tells us to wait. And they're just, they've prayed and they've, in a sense, they've prayed and they've put it in God's hands. And they've said, Lord, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. And they're just kind of waiting. There's times that God tells, tells us to go. It's very clearly that God gives us real clear direction. He says, okay, go, march, do it. And then there are times that God tells us to wait. And the Bible is clear. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So they're, they're just waiting. Psalm uh, 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. Wait. And it's just hard for us. We're, we're, we want to jump in and do it, solve it, fix it. Right? Just me. I'm the only one. Is there anybody else here in this room? <laughs> but something happened while they were waiting. While they were waiting, they got a word from the Lord. While they were waiting... And if they hadn't waited, they would have missed the word from God. While they're waiting, the word of the Lord came on Jehaziel, and he said this, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 14. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, and he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. That's a word. I can remember in 1981 when we came here to Life Community Church. And there was a little group of people 
meeting in the Holiday Inn in Garland. Uh, it cost us $200 to move from Louisiana, and they didn't have enough to pay for my moving van in the bank. And we began with a little group of people as the church began to grow there in the Holiday Inn. We began to reach people. We wanted to get a building. This was our theme. The battle is the Lord's. Because it was impossible for us. I don't know if you remember the 80s, but the 80s was a horrible time to think about building anything. Most of you weren't born, so you don't know the 80s. But if you were alive during the 80s, interest rates, you think the interest rates are high now? Interest, good interest rates were 12 and 13%. If you could get 12 and 13%, a lot of times on a car loan, people were paying 18 or 19% on a car loan. House House interest was 12, 13, 14, 15%. It was incredible. And it was, and it was a horrible time to build. But here we felt like God was calling us to build. And in that season, in that moment, God gave us that word. The battle is not yours. In other words, it's not limited to your resources. It's limited to God's resources. And somehow, God did it multiple times in multiple ways. First, we were able to buy a piece of property when property was going crazy and we and we paid cash for it in 6 months we gave them we gave them all we had as a down payment and in 6 and we made a commitment to a balloon payment in 6 months that we did not have but we had it in 6 months because the battle was the Lord's. And so Jehoshaphat, they're, you know, they realize we're at the end of our resources. And when you get a word from God, when you realize it's God, you hear from God, and God's telling you, listen, I, I've got this. When God tells you, I've got this. When you hear that in your own heart, it's not somebody else telling you, it's not a good thing, but it, when you hear God speaking to you from his word, by his spirit, by his promises, by his truth, you hear the Holy Spirit declaring in your heart, the battle is the Lord's. I've got this. It changes your reality. You realize, I can trust the Lord. I'm, I'm, God's got this. And you think, it doesn't. Guess what? It didn't look any different. The enemy was still out there. The enemy was, there was just as much enemy as there was before, but now they realized that they weren't fighting the battle alone. The Lord had them. So anxiety tells us it's time to pray. Anxiety tells us it's time to wait on the Lord. Listen to God. Anxiety tells us it's time to praise. This is one of the great things about this story. So they praised and worshiped. When they got that word, they praised and worshiped the Lord. They fell down and thanked the Lord. You know, maybe you're not spending enough time falling down and thanking the Lord. We're so proper. Aren't we proper? You know, I don't think, I don't think we're desperate enough sometimes. I mean, I mean this, was, this was life and death. They, they fell down. They threw themselves before the Lord. They just thanking the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you for this promise. They believed it. They got a hold of it. They, 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 like, they were like holding on to it like it was life and death because it was. So this is the plan God gives them. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah. 
the people of Jerusalem, we have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be, have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out, the head of the, ahead of the army, giving thanks to the Lord, saying, give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. So they put the worshipers in front. You know, they didn't put Johnny, you know, our children's pastor who, you know, wrestles and, you know, is built pretty well. They put Landon and Alex, put Alex, you know. See, that doesn't, you know, let's, let's put the worshipers out front. That's, isn't that counterintuitive? Let's put the worship out front. Let's put worship first. They, you know, we sing this song based on this text. This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. So they put the worshipers out front. I just cut my hand on that right there. <laughs> Pretty good, too. Uh, <laughs> sorry. It's hard to be, when you start bleeding, it's hard not to be distracted. Uh, and they began to sing in praise. The Lord, thank you. Thank you, Tim. Uh, <laughs> I got too excited. Waved my hands too much. And they began to sing in praise, and as they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So they, they fought their... They, they never had to fight. What, what was the promise from the word? You don't have to fight. The battle is the Lord's. So they go out, they don't have to fight. These three camps that have come together, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Meonites, that have come together to fight against Israel, they start fighting against each other. And, and instead of fighting Israel, instead of fighting Judah, they're fighting each other because they began the battle with praise. Sometimes anxiety is telling us to pray. Sometimes anxiety is causing us to pause. Sometimes anxiety is calling us to praise. They didn't praise after the battle. They did after the battle. But they, they praised before anything happened. You notice that? We're, we're kind of like, God, if you'll do it, I'll praise. God says, no, praise me, and maybe you'll see it happen. Maybe you need to give the battle to the Lord. Maybe you need to turn around your thinking and start praising ahead of time. You got a few things to be thankful for if you think you got nothing to be thankful for. You're, you know, you may think your world's going to hell in a handbasket, but hey, you still got a handbasket. They didn't just praise, they praised before the victory. They praised God before the blessing, before the problem was gone. Before the problem was gone, they're launching into praise, and they're thanking God for who he is. Every, every Sunday when you walk in here, you could have the worst week possible. I mean, the, your world can be just falling apart. Guess what? 
God is still worthy. God is still God, and he's still on the throne, and he's still, he's still worthy of all of our praise and all of our worship. We should be worshiping God not because of how we feel. I, I love that it feels great to worship, but even if it doesn't feel good to worship, you ought to worship, and we ought to worship, not because of how we feel, but because of who he is. See, they understood who he was. They weren't praising him because the problem was gone. They were praising him because he's the worthy God, and they were living on the promises of his word. Praising God before the blessing. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, this is what Paul says. Rejoice, praise, worship. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guess what happened? So then the enemy defeats themselves, and they go out and they gather up spoil for four days. For four days, what became a great threat became a great blessing. They named the place the Valley of Blessing. See, God wants to turn your anxiety into a valley of blessing. He wants to turn the place of your fear into despair to a place where you can say and you can declare, hey, the battle is the Lord's because God showed up. And I can tell you, I can look back to 1981 when we said, when I wrote, I got a little piece of green canvas because we were too poor to go buy a sign. I got a piece of green canvas, and I got some acrylic pen, and I, I wrote out the lettering on that sign by hand. It looked pretty good. It didn't look, you know, didn't look junky. We hung that up behind us, and we thought about that every week. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. You know what? God did it. God showed up. He kept showing up. Guess what? He keeps showing up. Because he's faithful. His word is true. The battle's not yours. It's the Lord's. That cancer battle, it's not yours. It's the Lord's. That financial battle, it's not yours. It's the Lord. That marriage battle, it's not yours. It's the Lord. The Lord is at work. He's got a promise for you. He wants to help you with anxiety because he wants you to be able to cast all your cares upon him. Sometimes it's time to pray. Anxiety tells us, hey, this is worth praying about. If it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. It's a time to stop and listen to God. What's God's plan? Man, it's a difference when you got God's plan. And then it's always good to praise. Have you been praising him? Have you been praising him? Amen. Let's stand and sing this song. We'll close in prayer.